you'd like to turn then to Acts chapter 16, it's page 1111 in the Church Bibles, small print and 1683 in the large print. We're going to read the whole chapter, Acts 16, verse 1 through to verse 40. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace. And the next day, we went on to Neapolis. From there, we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside to the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman, the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned round and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. 
About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was a violent earthquake, that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights and rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, release those men. The jailer told Paul, the magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, they beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens and threw us into prison. And now do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. So the gospel is for all types. Paul, Silas, Timothy and Luke, the writer of Acts, have travelled across modern day Turkey. They've crossed the Aegean Sea, they've arrived in Philippi. Some of us may be familiar with these places from our summer holidays. This is the Aegean Sea. They're certainly clocking up the air miles. In fact, this whole passage resonates with our 21st century experience. Back then, around 50 AD, this was all part of the Roman Empire. Philippi was a buzzing Roman colony. Its citizens paid no taxes to Rome. It was a a tax haven. They governed their own affairs. Many citizens were retired Roman soldiers. They were given housing there in recognition of their military service. Like army towns can be, it was an affluent city. They would have followed the cult of worshipping the Roman emperor. And many other gods would have been worshipped in the city. There was no Christian church, no Jewish synagogue to offer Paul and his companions hospitality. So they checked into the first century equivalent of the travel lodge. 
The rest of the passage is made up of three different cameos or scenes, each one showing people in need of the gospel. And in each of those scenes, there are people who do respond to the gospel and those who don't. So scene one, Lydia, the successful businesswoman. So Paul and his companions made inquiries around the town. And they discovered that outside the city gate there would be people meeting together on the Sabbath. So there must have been a small Jewish community in the city, and this is where they meet the businesswoman, Lydia. Her hometown is Thyatira, located in what today is western Turkey, about 50 miles inland from the Aegean Sea. It was a centre of the purple cloth trade, famous for its dyeing facilities. Lydia's business was trading the purple cloth from Thyatira to the wealthy Roman colony of Philippi. So in modern terms, she was a dealer in the luxuries market. She hadn't used the pagan Roman religion to further her business in Philippi. Instead, she was meeting outside of the city with the other women to worship God. And the Lord rewards her faithfulness and opens her heart to respond to Paul's gospel message. Paul affirms her newfound faith by accepting her invitation to stay at her house. Lydia is Paul's first convert in Europe, his bridgehead into Europe. And Mark was making the point last week that but for this, we possibly would not be here today worshipping God. So Lydia's home became the centre for the new faith in the city. And she and the members of her household are baptised. And it's their house church that continues to support Paul's ministry. At the end of the passage, Paul goes there as soon as he and Silas are released from jail. And then later, writing his letter to them, he remembers how it was them alone who supported him during this time. It's easy, isn't it, to look at successful business people and think, they'd never be interested in the gospel. But actually, we don't see or know what's going on inside. God was working in Lydia's heart, and she was ready to respond to the gospel as Paul shared it with her. Let Lydia encourage you to share the gospel with successful business people when you have the opportunity. God was then able to use the resources that she had to support the work of the gospel. Praise God for Christian businessmen and women today who have a similar ministry. I guess in relative terms, most of us here are successful people with resources to match. 
couple of weeks ago at the church business meeting, we voted to bring Wellesley into the church ministry team full time. And with that decision, there was a commitment to increase the budget of the church by 10%. So let's take the opportunity to remind ourselves that we must follow through on that commitment. If we haven't already done so, let's look again at the resources we have and how we make them available to support the church's ministry. Scene two. An unnamed slave girl, a fortune teller, and her owners. The fact that we don't even know this slave girl's name indicates her social status. She's a complete contrast to Lydia. And in her owners, we see a completely different approach to the gospel, to money, and to the resources that they had, especially once the spirit leaves their slave girl. Slavery is a concept we struggle with these days. Yet today it's estimated that there are 13,000 people in modern-day slavery in the UK. Domestic slavery, working in agriculture, cannabis production, thieving, begging, and of course the sex trade. You know, people haven't really changed in 20 centuries. That's because we're all still children of Adam. And we're all sinful because of the fall. We all still need the gospel to set us free from bondage to our sins. And that's what Paul does for this slave. The spirit within her draws attention to who it is that Paul serves or is a slave of. The Spirit says, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. The problem for Paul is that what she was saying could have been misunderstood. She could have been saying that Paul's God was the highest among the many gods that were worshipped in Philippi. Or she could have been saying that Paul was preaching a way of salvation. So why didn't Paul act immediately? Well, perhaps the ambiguity wasn't immediately evident, or perhaps what she was saying seemed harmless enough at first. Certainly there's no suggestion that the Spirit that she or the spirit within her were hostile to Paul and his companions. But I'm sure that as the days went by, they discussed her and what they could or should do. Was she potentially helping their ministry by giving them publicity? Or could the potential ambiguity of what she was saying be harmful to their ministry? What would you have done? Eventually, Paul does act. Speaking in Jesus' name, he commands the spirit to come out of her. 
And we're not told anything more about the slave girl, so we don't know if she responded to the way of salvation that Paul was preaching. But we are told that the slave girl's owners are not happy at the turn of events. Seeking summary justice, they stir up the crowd before the magistrates in the marketplace. To quell the riot, the magistrates have little choice but to have Paul and Silas beaten and imprisoned. And in the hubbub, any protestations or claims of Roman citizenship that they may have made go unheeded. Timothy and Luke were spared, either because they were Gentiles or because they were less visible in ministering to the slave girl. And that leads us on to scene three, the jailer. Like the slave girl, the jailer is unnamed. In all probability, he was a battle-hardened, retired Roman soldier. As such, he would have had little compassion for the two blooded, hurting prisoners he was told to guard carefully. The magistrates ordered special security, as Paul and Silas had demonstrated supernatural powers. So the jailer locked them into stocks in an inner cell. And believing he'd done what was asked, he went to bed where he slept soundly, oblivious to the pain that Paul and Silas would have been in, both from the stocks and from their beating. Less than 30 years ago, this was the daily experience of pastors and, and Christians imprisoned in Eastern Europe. With the spread of Islam, how many years will it be before pastors and preachers in this country are treated in this way? And it's the daily experience of pastors and Christians in the persecuted church today. In several services recently, we've mentioned the Open Doors watch list. It highlights the 50 countries where it's most difficult to live as a Christian. In many of these countries, pastors and Christians experience the same justice as Paul and Silas. In others, they would just have been put to death. We need to keep ourselves informed about the persecuted church. We need to pray for persecuted pastors and Christians. And we need to support organisations like Open Doors so that the persecuted church is not forgotten. And we need to lobby MPs and government to keep Christianity and Christian values in Britain for the longest time possible. The jailer didn't hear Paul and Silas praying and singing hymns, but the other prisoners did. Whenever we go through a difficult experience, those around us notice 
how we respond to it, what we do, how we deal with it, often speaks more eloquently than anything we say. In the books I've read about the persecuted church, that has been a recurring theme. And perhaps that's why the other prisoners didn't abscond when the earthquake gave them the opportunity. Certainly the worldly wise jailer fully expected that they would have done so. He's awoken from sleep by the noise, the dust, the darkness, the confusion caused by the earthquake. He sees the prison door standing open and he assumes the worst. Even though the earthquake's a natural phenomenon, a jailbreak would have been regarded as dereliction of duty. Perhaps also the pagan jailer is wondering just what supernatural forces are at work. So for fear of the gods or his superiors, the jailer decides it would be better to take his own life. Paul hears or sees him draw his sword and shouts an assurance that everyone is still in the jail. How is it that Paul can see the jailer when the jailer can't see Paul? Well, we could put it down to those supernatural forces. Or perhaps Paul's night vision had become accustomed to the darkness in the jail and his hearing, his other senses are heightened by pain and wakefulness. Now convinced that a supernatural or a divine force has been at work, the jailer rushes to speak to Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas have spent the last days in Philippi preaching the way of salvation. Now the jailer wants to know what he must do to be saved. Luke summarizes the reply. Believe in the Lord Jesus. Jesus is saviour to those he is Lord. And the jailer would have been familiar with the concept of being under authority. And the title of Lord summarises both Jesus' authority over death to save and his authority over those he has saved to serve him. Today, Jesus still makes this offer of salvation to those who will accept him as Lord. And this is the gospel that we need to make known to those around us. We need to be consistent and faithful in what we say and how we live, in hard times as well as in good times. Then, like the jailer, when they're ready, those around us will ask us about our faith and how it applies to them. Imagine the scene outside the jail. There's rubble and dust everywhere covering the jailer and everyone from his house. But they're listening intently to Paul and Silas. They too are covered in dust 
as well as the blood and their wounds from their beating. But the need to hear the gospel and the desire to share it are so great, other things can wait. If only we would be so eager to share the gospel and that those around us would be so eager to hear it. Having heard the gospel, the jailer and his household demonstrate their belief in Jesus to save him and their acceptance of him as Lord. They're baptised. I can imagine that the jailer and his household spent the rest of the night with Paul and Silas, not just getting cleaned up and enjoying a good meal, but continuing to be instructed in their new faith and being put in touch with Lydia and the other members of this embryonic Philippian church. The next morning there's an incident that may seem strange, but which is important for the future well-being of the Philippian church. Why did Paul insist that the magistrates themselves came to escort him from the prison. Well, Paul wanted to make his innocence a matter of public record and note to the magistrates, the civic authorities, and everybody else in the town. That way, the magistrates would be more careful next time Paul's public release would give an element of protection against future persecution to the embryonic church. I guess it's a lesson to us that we need to be sensitive and attuned to the needs of the local church wherever we go. We must be careful only to enhance the witness of a local church by our actions. So, we've looked at three cameos, three scenes, each one showing different types of people, all in need of the gospel. There were those who did respond to the gospel and those who did not. If you think that those around you don't want to hear the gospel or don't respond to it, be encouraged. As we've seen, it's, it's God's work, not ours. Not everyone in these scenes that we've looked at responded to the gospel. Even when it was Paul, Silas, Timothy or Luke who was sharing the gospel with them. But they were faithful in sharing the gospel wherever they were and with whomever they were with. And what this passage has shown us is that the gospel is for all types. If you look around the church, you'll see what that looks like in today's context. And remember, it takes all types to share the gospel with all types. And that's what God calls us to do. 
So let's do it. Perhaps we'll just have a moment of quiet to think on that before we sing our closing hymn.